Evidence and Answers. From the prohibiting of prayer at public schools, to the relabeling of Christmas, to the redefining of marriage, it appears that belief in God and Christianity is losing ground in the culture today. However, Christian scholar Dr. Gary Habermas gives reasons for hope and optimism. Welcome to today's edition of Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat discusses the downfall of atheism with Dr. Gary Habermas, a distinguished professor of research at Liberty University. Let's join Pat now as he discusses the downfall of atheism. Right now with his guest, Gary Habermas. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, and I'm your host, Pat Zucran, where we bring you every week compelling evidence for faith and hope in Jesus Christ. And this week, we have a distinguished guest, our good friend, Dr. Gary Habermas, the distinguished research professor there at Liberty University, the chair of the Department of Philosophy there at Liberty University, and a prolific author. He's written several outstanding books especially on the resurrection. One of my favorites, The Historical Jesus. Another book, Beyond Death, Dealing with Near-Death Experience. And another book that has come out recently, one that really challenges your faith and brings hope in a time of great need. Why is God ignoring me? So we're privileged to have with us Dr. Gary Habermas. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. Always uh, glad to be on with you, either in person or on the radio. Yes. Now... Gary, you led a recent seminar that was titled The Downfall of Atheism. Now, for those of us on the West Coast, or some people call it the Left Coast, and out here in the Pacific, we seem to be losing the battle against atheism and naturalism here with the redefining of the marriage laws here, with lawsuits that have been leveled against churches using public school facilities. Here in Hawaii, prayer has been removed from our state legislature. We're the only state where prayer is not allowed in our state Congress here, and we feel we're losing the battle here against atheism. But you think that naturalism is somehow on the decline as the most prominent worldview, even here in the Western world. What makes you think so? Well, that's a great question, and probably this combination of questions requires some different explanations. On the subject of prayer in the schools and political hot potato kind of topics, I think many of the processes that give rise to that are not necessarily atheist. They could be all kinds of things. They could just be contrary to conservative Christian interests. So they may not be the Catholic or uh, Protestant or whatever. You just had different kinds of groups of people involved politically. But what I'm referring to in my lecture is the... Let's narrow it down to two things. First of all, is the world, let's say the world's worldview, and there's not one, but the views we find around the world, is naturalism boss? And some have said recently it is not. Naturalism is said to be a predominant philosophical view in North America, in Northern Europe, Australia, and a few other places. I mean, obviously China and maybe Japan, but that in many parts of the world where culture is booming 
and medicine and so on has increased significantly. Let's say South America, India, some places of the Far East, especially in countries like South Korea and so on. Christianity is very much on the rise, and other non-Christian supernaturalisms are on the rise, and naturalism is not the predominant worldview. That's one look. But what about right in the West? What about, like you were saying, what about, say, North America and Northern Europe? Would we just take that? Well, part of my thesis is that, on the one hand, a number of hugely influential naturalists have said in recent years, and have written books arguing that naturalism is on the decline. These are naturalists who are saying naturalism is on the decline. Secondly, I think a lot of articles and other things have occurred arguing for the supernatural, so much so that surveys among, for example, medical doctors and physicians in the West, one survey with Americans who have graduate degrees, many surveys of that kind, the supernatural looks like it's alive and well. So something else is going on. Now, it's very possible that you could believe in God or the supernatural and still be in favor of getting prayers out of schools and things like that. So there's some overlap here of who's doing what. I'm making two kinds of comments, that naturalists themselves, some of them, a few naturalists themselves are complaining that naturalism is losing ground. And secondly, we have empirical sense experience, evidence that there's a supernatural world out there. Well, Gary, who are some of these naturalists who are saying that naturalism is on the decline? Well, let's go back a few years. Of course, the story that Anthony flew, he used the words theism and deism interchangeably. But in 2004, when the story broke, in fact, I interviewed him for the journal Philosophia Christi, and the article was on my pilgrimage from atheism to theism. It was a discussion between Tony and myself. Tony Flew is probably not only the best-known philosophical atheist in the world at that time, he probably wrote more than any person who ever lived defending atheism, especially from a philosophical perspective. And he became a theist, or a deist, as he would more specifically define it. But he's called it theism, too. He became a deist, and in the process, he said naturalism's out. Naturalism disproven. I'm thinking more recently of some other major thinkers. Michael Denton, who a few years ago wrote a challenge to Darwinism, and himself was a very respected, I guess you'd say, natural type thinker, has recently, I mean, this this is still earth-shaking to me, Pat, but Michael Denton has recently become an officer in the Discovery Institute, the well-known institute that defends intelligent design. Now, he argues for a kind of a hybrid platonic worldview, but he's been arguing for intelligent design and against naturalisms that say there is no such thing. And then there was a major book that just came out. In fact, it was voted the most hated book of the year, wow. if you can believe that. It was either 2011 or 2012. And that book declared, by a naturalist, declared that naturalism was almost assuredly false. 
and it was published, of all places, it was published by Oxford University Press. So these are some of the signs to me. I mean, somebody might say, well, that's only a few major naturalists. It is. But the examples I've given are hugely influential naturalists. So I, I don't know if I should say that counts more, but <laughs> I kind of think it does when these people are so influential. Yeah, no, these are giants in the field. I mean, Anthony Flew, this is a guy you knew personally, who uh, yeah. you've dialogued and discussed with several times. He was a titan amongst the atheists, I believe. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he not only became a theist, in the process, he argued, the book, I already gave the title of the my interview with him, was called My Pilgrimage from Atheism to Theism, an interview with Anthony Flew and Gary Habermas. But he did a book. His book title is called There Is, it's, it's very provocative. The title is, you can see it there, There Is No God. And then the word no on the cover, the word no was crossed out, and the word a is kind of scribbled above it. So the real title is, There is a God, and the subtitle is, How the World's Most Notorious Atheist Changed His Mind. And it's by Anthony Flew and Roy Abraham Varghese. The other book I was talking about that was by Oxford University Press is Thomas Nagel, and the title is Mind and Cosmos, which may not tell you much about what's going on in Nagel's uh, life, but the subtitle is, why the materialistic neo-Darwinian conception of nature is almost certainly false. I mean, it takes a philosopher to write like that, but I mean, <laughs> think about that subtitle. Why the materialistic neo-Darwinian conception of nature is almost certainly false. Published in 2012 by Oxford University Press. And like I said, I believe I heard it was voted the most hated book of the year. And I also heard that some naturalists have said to these guys, they'll say, hey, look, we all have doubts, but keep your thoughts to yourself. Don't be writing these big books and saying, what's wrong with naturalism? Giving these fighting Christians and these intelligent design guys, don't be giving them this ammunition. But some of them have been bold enough to go ahead and do it anyway. Now, have you seen a general theme in these books? I mean, what is it that these guys are saying or discovering that is making them question their particular worldview that they've defended and fought for for so many years? Well, I mean, now that's a good question. Let's do a couple of them one by one. When Anthony Flew became a theist, he said that there were two arguments that convinced him to walk away from his lifelong skepticism, and in particular his lifelong atheism. As I said, he's probably written more pro-atheist literature than any philosopher who's ever lived. He said, number one, something that doesn't interest a whole lot of people today. I mean, it probably interests them, and they don't know the roots of it, but it's Aristotle's cosmology. And Aristotle's questions are sometimes the same questions that we ask in cosmology today. People just don't know they're by Aristotle. But, for example, why is there something rather than nothing? Why does something exist in the universe? And where does it come from? He said Aristotle's cosmology was number one on his list, but intelligent design was number two. Intelligent design was the second reason why he became a theist. Well, that's the main reason why Michael Denton is writing that Darwin has some major issues. And Denton himself, if I understand his view, Denton himself has turned 
to a sort of a neoplatonic kind of, I'm not sure exactly how to define it, but sort of this concept of God being part of nature and working through forms, sort of platonic forms in the world. And that is what gives rise to life and everything else, not the typical Darwinist conceptions. And Nagel's book has some similarities there. He says, you know, we shouldn't try to ban, let's say. We shouldn't try to ban intelligent design type studies. So one thing they all have in common is the value of intelligent design, that that that's making more of a path in among our intellectuals who have hated that subject in the past. Do you also see a decline in what's been called the new atheism? Guys like Richard Dawkins and this whole group, Christopher Hitchens and that whole group who have, you know, written some bestsellers in recent years. Do you see a decline in their movement? I don't think I see a decline, Pat. If anything, they may be growing. But I think the question is, among whom are they growing? The new atheists, folks like you mentioned, plus Harris, Sam Harris, and so on, for the most part, for what I can tell, they are stirring the minds of, I think, a general. I have to be careful of you know generalities here. But I would say the 15 to 30 crowd of young folks who kind of do not like a conservative Christian approach to life, and they think these folks are their heroes, but for the most part, they seem not to be... They're not scientists, they're not philosophers, they're not professionals for the most part. They seem to be appealing a lot more. Just look at the sales of their books. They're appealing a lot more, I think, to folks who uh, maybe tend to doubt Jesus' existence, for example. More radical young people who haven't gone through, I don't think they've worked through all these areas in their own lives and so on. They're younger and so on. I think another example of that, Pat, is, like I said a moment ago, a lot of your blogs today, I've got a grad student getting a master's and Ph.D. overseas in Europe, and one of his hobbies is surveying secular, radical websites. And when you find people, for example, who deny Jesus ever lived, that's a radical kind of crowd, too. And I, I think often it's those sorts that are reading those books. Because you've got people like Michael Roos, the Florida State University philosopher of science, and others who are agnostic and atheists, who are very bothered by Dawkins and Hitchens was alive, the late Christopher Hitchens, and so on. In fact, he wrote a review of an evangelical book by Alistair McGrath and his wife. He wrote on the front of that book as a comment, Michael Roos did, he said, Richard Dawkins makes me embarrassed to be an atheist. So there's an example of a kind of a professional philosopher, atheist or agnostic, I think he's been called both, and these young atheists. These new atheists, I'm sorry. Yeah, Michael Ruse, you're talking another very prominent scholar in atheism as well. Right. Yeah, well, what are you seeing on the university campuses? I know naturalism tends to dominate our public schools. I think so. I think you're right. Do you still see that? I think you're right. Pat, let me refer to an article that, to me, I mean, so far I've given a few, you know, a few prominent names, the Flues and the the Nagels and, and the Dentons, and somebody might say, well, 
a few names does not make a movement. And there and there's some there's some value to that critique. But in 2008, I believe it was, an op-ed piece was written for the New York Times by a writer who the name of the article, by the way, it's available online. The name of the article is Neural Buddhism. Neural Buddhism and the author Basically, now I'm kind of juicing this, I'm add, adding some of my own things to what this article says. But the author says, hey, surprise, but really the Western professors, Western universities, are just about the only place that doesn't realize that they've lost incredible ground. The author's name is David Brooks, and this is 2008, New York Times. And he says that there's a cognitive revolution going on today. And, and there's a couple of major views vying for supremacy in the worldview markets. And basically his thesis is that naturalism is either losing ground or is already lost, and they just don't know it. That You know, professors in the big universities, they're secure, they think they're the bosses, they think naturalism is true, and they don't realize that the world's passing them by. And David Brooks, by the way, says that the two major views that are vying for prominence now to support, I mean to surpass naturalism, is what he calls neuro-Buddhism, which I think Christians might call sort of the New Age movement, to use an old word, an old phrase, kind of a New Agey kind of view that's mixed with modern science. And what he calls, he doesn't call it Christianity, but the other view is what he calls the biblical tradition, so I guess maybe you're talking about a Judeo-Christian kind of tradition. He says they're the two that are vying for prominence today, but that naturalism is losing ground quickly. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. You know, my brief tour of the universities that go on throughout the year, I'm not a prominent speaker. I'm a nobody. But when we do our seminars, you know, we often call them the lion's den, where I spend about 30 minutes presenting why I am a Christian, and then we open the floor for about an hour for students to ask any question they want regarding Christianity or the authority of the Bible or the existence of God. I mean, those seminars are packed with hundreds of students. I remember at Cornell University, the auditorium of 400 was completely packed. Extra hall had to be open for another 100 students to be and, and watch by video. And those are the kind of things now, now, that are Pat, happening. What, what lecture were you... Here I am. I'm going to play the interview. I'm, I'm interviewing Pat Zuckeran <laughs> now. What topic? What was your overall topic? The talk was uh, why I am a Christian. And basically... Oh, that was... Yeah. Wow. Yeah, students knew that uh, I'd be presenting my case, and they'd have 45 minutes to just fire away after I was done to ask whatever question they wanted. You know, and I remember talking to professors on that campus and other campuses, Christian professors who've been teaching 30 you know, 20 years, and they've been saying, you know, we haven't seen the things we're seeing in the last few years. They said, yep, something's that, happening that's, that's on these the, campuses. Just that's like what kind of the about. idea. That's kind of the idea, this things we've seen in the last few years kind of thesis. In fact, Pat, I, <laughs> here I go again. I'm the interviewer. Let me ask you another question. You do a lot of traveling in Hawaii and Philippines and, and those areas. Aren't there major hotbeds there of non-naturalism, of supernaturalism of different types and religious places of belief that are not naturalistic? Yes. You know, especially in Asia, there seems to be a trend. Uh, the Western 
educated professors who are generally atheists tend to have a bigger sway or more respect because they got their degrees from the West. Uh-huh. Yet, you know, when you talk to them, a lot of them say, I'm not really convinced of atheism, but this is, you know, how I was educated and the degrees right. in which I was educated in. But when you really press them, you can see them kind of hedge regards to being, you know, a strict atheist or so. Right. Now, one book that's helped me put my some of my thoughts together on this is the recent it's one book, but it's in two volumes. Craig Keener's book entitled Miracles, which is just an epical work. I think it's one of these instant books that reach kind of a startling intellectual climax. But what he's arguing is that the world is full of documented miracle cases, and he divides the world by geographical areas. So his table of contents will read like miracle claims in North America, miracle claims in Northern Europe, miracle claims in Central and South America, miracle claims in Africa, miracle claims in the Middle East, miracle claims in the Far East, and so on. So he goes geographically, and he makes the point, Pat, over and over again. He says, those of you in the West, by the way, his wife is African. She's got a Ph.D., and she grew up in Africa, and, and Craig goes over there frequently, so he knows a lot about African culture in various uh, countries and so on. And he makes the point over and over again that the Western universities are still largely naturalistic, but the rest of the world is not naturalistic, even the intellectual portions of the rest of the world. And over and over again he says, he calls it the Western worldview and the greater worldview. And he makes the point that while the Western worldview is naturalistic, it is not a majority in the world today. I see. Well, what are the worldviews that hold a lot of influence in the rest of the world, in the non-Western portions? Well, I'm guessing, but I'm thinking that Craig Keener is going to say, in certain cultures, you still got your tribal and and animistic type uh, family, you know, beliefs. You've still got, of course, Islam in the Middle East and across Africa, and not to mention making its way into the West today. Hinduism and Buddhism still command uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, people in the world. And maybe just to kind of go along with that article I was mentioning from the New York Times, maybe, I don't know what Craig would say, I was just with him recently, and I got to be with him in a few weeks to get at at a major medical school talking about these things. He, modern day miracles of mean near death experiences. But Craig might say kind of, along with David Brooks of the New York Times, he might say kind of an anarthrous, unnamed, general, supernatural spirituality, something what Christians might call the New Age movement, that that might be the most prominent view. He talks about a number of surveys, and I've come across my own, where physicians, for example, in the West have been asked, do you believe in miracles? And in one survey, approximately, if I remember my numbers correctly, approximately 70% of physicians said, yes, I believe in miracles. Now, I remember going to school, and I, I graduated in the you know, Middle Ages. I got my Ph.D. in the 70s. I was only 25. And I remember people saying, physicians and university professors and scientists are the three 
most naturalistic groups of people in the world. And yet this survey was among one of them, uh, the uh, medical doctors. 70% of them said they believed in miracles. And then the follow-up question was, have you seen one? Have you seen one or more miracles in your own practice? And I think the figure was about 40% of them said, yes, I have. Yes, I have. Now, to me, 40% is still a minority, but that was a startlingly large percentage from what I had been taught coming up in graduate school in the 1970s. Wow, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, it I, know, is. I know there's a difference when I talk to scientists in, you know, the theoretical sciences or in the labs and those, I guess we'd call them the practical sciences, you know, those out there applying the science and those in the medical field. And right. yeah, I often hear two different perspectives from those camps there. Maybe, Pat, I don't know, but like you said, the atheists you've talked to, maybe the distinction is between those who really do believe the hardcore atheism and naturalism, and those who do it not because they're so convinced or not because they see an airtight case, but because they don't want to look stupid or they don't want to go against their professors or they want to teach what they've had in school. Maybe that reflects some of that, the differences. This concludes part one of Pat's interview with Gary Habermas on the downfall of atheism. If you would like to hear this interview in its entirety, log on at evidenceandanswers.org. We would also like to invite you to this year's Hawaii Apologetics Conference featuring Dr. Gary Habermas, Ron Rhodes, and other great speakers this February 28th through March 1st at the Kalihi Union Church in Honolulu. Our theme this year is Evidence for Life Beyond the Grave. Seminar topics include near-death experiences, the truth about ghosts, mediums, and psychic phenomena, the Shroud of Turin, the Wonder of Heaven, and so much more. To register, log on at evidenceandanswers.org. Pat is the director of the Pacific Apologetics Center, a subsidiary ministry of the Bible Institute of Hawaii. Pat's ministry relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by this show, would you consider supporting Pat in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Join us again next week for part two of this interview with Pat and Gary Habermas on the downfall of atheism. See you next week right here on Evidence and Answers.